Welcome back to The Dive, an Inside the Daily Press podcast featuring community leaders discussing issues impacting the city. Inside the Daily Press podcasts are produced by the Santa Monica Daily Press, the city's premier news source for two decades. Visit smdp.com for news of the day. Hi, welcome to The Dive. Um, This is Santa Monica Daily Press reporter Emily Sawicki. Today I am joined in the studio with the incoming and outgoing Samuel High principals. Um, If you two could introduce yourselves, that'd be awesome. Hi, I'm Murray Cruz. I'm the incoming Samuel High principal. And I'm Antonio Shelton, the outgoing principal of Samuel High. So I think that most people who listen to our podcasts are very familiar with Antonio. You've been the principal there for Five, six, six years? Six school years. Okay. Um, and Murray, you are coming from being a house principal. Is that right? That is correct. Um, so f- off the bat, I'm curious, what what is a house principal's role and how does that compare to being a principal of the whole school? A uh, house principal is like an assistant principal with a little more duties involved, a little more projects and things like that. So a lot of discipline, um, working with a smaller group of teachers, working on some, like one of my roles was graduation. So working on some small projects to support the school, whereas the principal is more of an overseer role, um, more of kind of organizing and seeing how everything is working. Uh, Cool. So how long have you um, been a house principal at Samuel High? Almost two years. Okay, cool. And before that, you were new to the district, is that right? No, I've actually been at the district since 2007. Oh, wow. Uh, Prior to that, I was a math teacher on campus. So I've been a math teacher on campus since 2007. Then I started getting a little more involved with the school. I became the math department chair, um, getting involved with then school site council and other leadership roles to see outside of my classroom, to see a more global view of the school. And then when Dr. Shelton joined us, um, he started pulling me more and more out of the classroom. Um. So I, I should have started this way. I, that was a genuine, just my curiosity about how the house principal thing works. I went to a really small high school, so we didn't have that set up. Um, but to back up, can you tell me a little bit about your background, sort of broad overview of how you first got to Santa Monica? Uh, sure. I grew up in the Midwest, so from Kansas area, um, Rock Chalk Jayhawks and Go Chiefs. Um, <laughs> I went to college at the University of Kansas and studied math, secondary math education. Um, from there, kind of met my husband. We moved down to Dallas, Texas, where I started teaching in a middle school. Um, taught for three years down there. And then his job kind of pulled us out to California. <laughs> um, came out here going, yeah, we'll stay for a couple of years. And what? now, 15 years later, we're still living here. Wow. Um, and how about you, uh, Antonio? How did you first come to Santa Monica? Well, it, this is a interesting story. Um, I actually would come out here every spring break for like six, seven years visiting uh, my uh, cousin. And one day I was in Malibu um, and I was driving. I was like, oh, my God, there's a school here. Maybe if let's see if they have a need a principal. And I um, actually... Looked online on uh, EdJoin, and they were uh, in need of a principal. And I applied for the job. Um, 
in uh, Malibu, which is Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District. Went through the interview process, um, flew out here twice, got a job offer, but I didn't take it. Um, and that was my first introduction to uh, SMMUSD. And about seven, eight, maybe nine months later, I got a call from the assistant superintendent, Dr. Mark Kelly, saying, hey, um, I know you had an entrance interest in moving out uh, here. Um, would you be interested in uh, uh, interviewing for the Santa Monica High School principal's job? And I was like, well, why not? Um, and I went through the process with the other candidates and uh, came out on top and uh and I said, okay, I'm going to move, uh, and made that move. Uh, me and my father drove out here from Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, on a little journey, and started September 12, 2016, um, was my first day at Santa Monica High School. Wow. So you secured two <laughs> roles. You sort of had your pick of which school you wanted to uh, be principal of. Uh, I Well, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. But um, I think I, I made the right choice. I think both high schools are awesome. Um, but my previous school was small as well. And I wanted a different challenge. And uh, the diversity was really intriguing to me. Um, and being at Samo High, uh, reading about it, I'm like, okay, that's pretty awesome. So let me make this happen if possible. So Yeah, and I know um, from working previously in Malibu that at the time, Malibu High School was shuffling through principals pretty much until they got to Patrick Miller. So um, I imagine, I mean, I, I can't, you know, say how you felt, but um, the role felt a little bit cursed at the time. So I think Sam Ohio was a, was a better landing pad in my opinion. Um, but it's interesting that you're both Midwesterners. I am also a Midwesterner. Um, so always good energy when we're in a room together. Um, and I actually want to talk about that a little bit. Um, is it your opinion that there's a different educational philosophy or you know, sort of a different way to look at secondary education from where you started? And this is a question for either of you versus the type of education that people people prioritize or sort of the philosophy of education here in Santa Monica. I would say both communities, Midwest and um, here on the West Coast, people really believe education is important. Um, I, I do believe that there's a different take on what uh, the values are. Um, there's, I, I, I sense uh, from my experience, there's greater freedoms um, on the West Coast here in Santa Monica. Our kids are more um, active politically and they know what's going on and it, and I think it's it comes from the community being so involved and so active that they take on those roles as young adults in high school whereas in the Midwest I felt and this is just my my feeling of being uh, assistant principal in two schools and principal in another a lot of the students leaned on their parents thoughts about what it is that they're going to do, how they're going to do it, and what role they're going to play in making things happen. Um, whereas that is not as much I feel in uh, Santa Monica because 
the kids are here. Um, for instance, when my first year was an election year, um, November uh, 2016, that was a big deal for a lot of our kids because of who had been elected and where our kids came from. Um, whereas my friend said in my old school, people were cheering. In my new school, Samo High, people were sobbing. Um, and we had a walkout uh, that day. Um, the next day, the students walked out. And I remember it like it was yesterday. The kids were very emotional about what had occurred based on their experiences in life at that particular time. And as speaking to that, you know, they asked me to say something. We had about 500 kids in our Greek uh, theater who had walked out and they wanted me to say something. And I just talked to them about being empowered to do something, not just walk out, but what are you going to do after you walk out? How are you going to engage this process? So there were two different takes on what was happening here, where as in the Midwest, I felt at my particular school um, there, I think the kids would not have walked out. I know they wouldn't have walked out. Um, whereas I don't think they even understood that they had the option to, whereas our kids here feel empowered to do so in a way that symbolizes who they are. Sorry, Marie, for taking so long. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. I guess um, I haven't taught in a high school in the Midwest, but my experiences would be more along the lines of like our students here at Samo High are very diverse. They're used to a lot of different cultures and being aware of their identity and how, how they learn from each other. And that is something that was lacking from my experience in, a high, in high school in Kansas um, we didn't have a lot of diversity, and so we weren't as aware of things, which is why I would say we kind of leaned on what we heard in the news or our parents versus our students here. You hear them talking, and you hear them sharing their stories and talking about their points of view, and it's just very empowering for me as a leader, but also, I think, them. Um, I So you mentioned that you hadn't taught at the high school level previously, and I know that you spent some time teaching middle school. What attracts you to uh, secondary education? I mean, what is it about high schoolers that you enjoy working with so much that you sort of... Yes, yes, I've spent so much more time in high school and I appreciate the high school students more. Just um, the number one draw when I was in teaching was sarcasm. Um, high schoolers understood sar sarcasm and you could joke around with them a little bit more than the middle schoolers. Uh, however, it's much more than that. High schoolers are defining themselves. They're figuring out their role in life. And I, I really enjoy having that impact and having some of those conversations of where do you see yourself and what can I do to help you get there? Also, I came from math, um, love math land, go math. Um, and I always saw that students, some students would struggle and it was a barrier almost. So I kind of viewed my role as a math teacher was always helping them realize that math isn't all that bad, that they can accomplish it, and kind of growing that confidence and removing that barrier so that they could move on and not have to repeat classes. Yeah, I think from my my perspective as a person who struggled with math in high school is that's where 
the, the struggle comes in. You know, you can be really good at math in eighth grade and then you get to algebra two and you want to drop out of, of math class, you know. So um, it's a interesting perspective. Um, I guess I wish, no offense to my math teachers in high school, um, that, that I, you know, had had someone who um, was cognizant of that and had been really pushing me. But um, it's typically either geometry or algebra two. <laughs> and she was patient, though. The biggest thing that Murray had as a teacher was the patience to support kids, which as a principal of a school and you see, you know, a teacher who's willing to just give of themselves and their time to be a, to be patient with a student like I was in math who struggled in math to have a teacher like Murray would be awesome because it was the fear of math and she made she made it feel easy. Like I, I look at kids and sometimes the kids didn't finish their tests during the class period. She would stay after school with them or during lunch or redo a problem. And that's what some kids lack, just the opportunity to redo something, process again. And that's what she gave. And that's, that's why I think her being in this role of, as principal is going to be pretty awesome to see because of the care and concern that she showed in a classroom. From your perspective, um, what disposition um, does it does it take to be a, a successful Samuel High principal? Or if I can even expand on that more, do you have advice or guidance? I'm sure you have had plenty of private conversations about this. But, oh yeah, we have. <laughs> um, but if, if there's anything you want to share about um, about what you think it, it takes to be successful in the role that you're leaving. I think the first thing that, that, that you must do as a principal, you must understand or seek understanding of your school community. Um, you don't have to always go in and make changes immediately. But you need to understand what is working, what traditions, what is this culture, who are the people that I need to make sure that I connect with to ensure that our kids are getting everything that they need um, and making sure that I continue the legacy of the school because you don't want to, you know, I, I never want to leave a place worse than it was. What my goal is as a principal and was as a principal, and I hope Murray knows the same thing because we worked together all of these six years and is leaving it better than what you saw when you got there. You know, we've made some major changes over time, but those changes occurred after we reviewed, talked to people. And also I'll, I'll, I'll tell anybody this, empower your teachers to lead your school. You may be the principal. That's a nice title to have. But the reality of it is, if your teachers help to lead the school, you have a shared leadership model that ensures the success and the buy-in of what's happening at your school. We changed the schedule, which made a huge impact, allowing students to have access to tutoring during the school day with their, with their teachers, and they just have to sign up twice a week. Murray and I were a part of that. That's that team effort. But we also had a group of teachers, about 23 teachers, leading that charge. Um, then we, we're making other changes that ultimately impact what's happening, but also 
explaining that to our parents and letting them know this is why we're doing what we're doing. Not everybody's going to agree. That's the biggest, that's the number one thing. And when everybody doesn't agree, especially parent community, uh, because they see it from an individual perspective, whereas Murray brought up, we see it from a global perspective of our school. What does that school look like with these changes? Not necessarily what does it look like for one individual kid, but how does it impact the whole of the school? And that's a thing that you'll have to continue to look at, Murray. Every day, how does what is happening? And, and I, as I told you, you remember I said, your classroom is your classroom. And when you close that door, it's just your world and the 30 kids that are in that classroom. But when you step outside of that classroom and you're the principal, that whole campus, all 300 and some employees and staff members and 2,800 kids and their additional 5,000 parents that an email goes out to, everybody sees what you're doing, whether they love it, like it, dislike it, you got to answer to it. And the best part about answering to it is that you always stay focused on what kids need needs are and their best interests. As long as you're doing that, you're good. You're good. When you know you're doing right for kids, you know everything's going to be fine. Do you have, um, I guess, more specifics? Like how, how do you create that that open communication. I mean, how do you reach out to your teachers and, and open those doors? We, I, I, I say we, because Murray has been involved in a lot of everything that I've done since I've gotten here. So what we've done is we set up, we told teachers to do a Google classroom. So what did me and Murray do? I had a Google classroom and in my Google classroom, I would send out weekly an email called the principal's notes, um, letting our teachers know what's happening for that week, um, what things we need to consider. Um, like this year, our diversity, equity, and inclusion statement was at the beginning of every email that was sent because, you know, if a person has to hear things, I think, what, 15 times, maybe more, uh, or see it that many times in order to make sure that it's ingrained in who we are as a school community. So, um, being able to communicate through email and also being able to stand in front of people, share with humor what is happening and how it impacts us. Um, and also reading. I think a lot of times people lose out because they don't read the research to determine what is necessary and to get something that is research based and make a change that's research based actually supports you and your school community in making changes that positively impact all of the students. So number one, I always plant a seed through the principal's notes. So make people ask questions. Well, why did you say that? Well, this is why. Um, you send an article through the email saying, hey, the, look at this, capture this. Let's talk about grades and how grades are either fair or not fair. Let's look at homework. Does homework actually help students or does it not help students? So just planting seeds and also meeting. We have a, a site leadership team. That site leadership team is made up of 23 or so teachers or something. Could be more. So we have a big group of teachers that then share information that is in Murray and I's brains. And they take it and they move with it. And also the things that they bring to us. We'll, we 
don't allow. We say, hey, let's do it. Um, the worst thing I always say could happen is we don't do it again. So why not take a chance on doing what's best for students? Um, Marie, do you have any uh, plans yet? I mean, have you sort of, uh, you know, how, how do you want to start off the school year? Well, uh, for me, it's a lot of continuation of the work. So I've already been meeting with our teacher leader team, um, kind of setting a tone for how we're going to welcome our new teachers. Uh, we have that meeting coming up. Um, we've also, I've already started talking with our PD leader to kind of bounce ideas off of each other. I'm very much a collaborator. I love to talk through things. I think that's one of the reasons that Dr. Shelton and I always kind of got along is we could bounce ideas off of each other and we spent lots of time doing that. Yeah, we spent a lot of time together. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it would help just kind of working through things. So I've already started kind of working through, talking to people, getting some, sharing some ideas, but really it's all about continuing the work that we set in place um, as a school, we really started deciding like, okay, we're going to look at our grading practices and normalizing some of those grading practices. Um, uh, what you're feeling in one class shouldn't be drastically different uh, or a grade in one class shouldn't be drastically different than another. And so really kind of getting our teacher teams, um, our professional learning communities to start looking at how do they assign a grade? What does that mean? What is an A in my class versus an A in your class? Um, thinking in terms of assessment looking at those assessments, kind of coming together with common assessments, and then thinking common grading. How do we look at that? Are you taking a point off if they drop the negative? Or am I taking, how are we comparing so that those experiences are more aligned and we can actually grow together? I'm very much a, a supporter of the mindset of two heads is better than one. Um, and I th think that's through in leadership as well as as a classroom teacher. Um, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to or excited about um, coming into the role? There's lots of things to be excited about. Um, I think all the cool swag that Dr. Shelton always got, I can't wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just I, I think it's exciting to be able to be out with the students and see what they accomplish and have a more active role with, say, ASB, for example, or um, student body group. Um, I think that's going to be interesting and fun and, and challenging. I think working with our teachers in a different role, I have a lot of relationships with them since I've been with them for so long, but seeing how some of those relationships change and seeing also who I can help encourage. I've been a teacher on campus and seen the progression into stepping out of my classroom, learning and taking on more leadership, and also how that impacted me, my mindset of his education, and I think that's a very powerful thing. And so s encouraging some of our teachers to do that as well. We have a lot of talent and kind of growing from within. Cool. Um, and Dr. Shelton, you are not leaving the district. No. I, I know we're not allowing you to. <laughs> Passed over that. Um, can you tell me about what your role is going to be come fall? What's happening, um, it's crazy, but um, we're, we're going to have a new principal at Lincoln. We're going to have a new principal at Jams. We're going to have a new principal at Samo High. So the greatest part about this is I, as executive director of secondary education, will be not only mentoring those individuals in their roles, um, but I also will be supporting and evaluating um, them, uh, Murray and uh, 
uh, Ryan and, and Martha all will um, be under me. And our superintendent um, wanted to create a role where there would be more support for our secondary campuses. Um, and being a principal at a large school like we have and not always having access to someone at a particular place or a particular level, now those principals um, at Olympic as well, uh, Cynthia Gre- uh, McGregory is, uh, is over there. From She moved from Franklin uh, to Olympic, so that's a fourth person. Um, and also uh, Smash and uh, PPBL. Um, but what, what I will be doing is supporting each of those six, seven, six principals in their role. What we're doing is looking at the superintendent's goals that were made by uh, the board in, in collaboration with them. And we will help to implement and ensure that those goals are attained. Um, and a lot of things are related around the common assessments. I work to close this achievement gap. So I will sit down with Marae and look at her plan for her school, and we will talk through what that plan entails. So if there's something that gets in the way of her working toward that plan, it's also my role to help get that out of the way. So if there are construction issues, I need to go in and I need to help fix those construction issues so that she can get what she needs to do, which is focus on the students done. If there are hiring hiring issues or concerns around ensuring that, hey, we need this position. I need to help to figure out how that works. Uh, and that, you know, those types of things, I didn't have necessarily that uh, as a principal. Um, but now each of these principals will have that. Um, I will help them look at what what their um, scores are reflecting. Do they reflect growth? Do they not reflect growth? And how do we ensure that the monies that they are given are utilized to support what it is that they're trying to achieve and bring that gap closer and closer to where all of our kids are being successful? Um, then I answer directly back to our superintendent. This is what Murray's having issues with. Um, this is what Murray is seeing as success. Um, this is what our data is showing. And this is why these things are occurring. This is the hot spot. This is what parents are concerned about. We probably need to address this more immediate. Those are the types of things that um, I will be working with uh, Miss Cruz uh, to ensure that she is successful, not only that she's successful, but her school is successful as well. Um. I know from following you on Twitter that in the past you have um, spent a lot of time with the students. I know that you were recently abroad um, with, I think, yeah. the Latin kids. Yes, yes. Um, so I am curious, in this new role, will you be able to be hands-on? I mean, are you going to get to know the kids at the schools um, whose principals you're mentoring? And how did that factor into your decision to accept this new role? This role, it was a struggle. I'm a, I'll be honest, because this is my 23rd year. And what, 17 of those years, I have been a principal or in a building doing the management piece or leadership piece, which is going to be interesting. You know, I, part of it, part of this whole thing, I do, I'll, I'll admit, I have some fear of that I'm going to miss the kids because that has been my world um 
And I think I've I've shared that with you, which is weird for me. Um, it's like, wow, am I graduating? What am I, what's what's <laughs> happening here? Um, so I my goal is to be on campuses. So in order to help and support those principals, I have to engage them on their campus. So in so we'll I was telling Murray that we're going to set up a time to meet every two weeks. So I will see those principals every every week I will be somewhere if not almost every day I will be somewhere on someone's campus um, just supporting um, figuring out who needs what and also being around kids because that's why I do what I do um, you know in that management role you don't often see you don't often have that connection with the kids um, I don't think I ever want to lose that. And that's the piece of this puzzle that I have to figure out. How do I engage that? Like the ITC, our child care center, uh, most of those kids in that in that child care center know me, even though they're two and what one, two years old, but they know me and they make me feel good. They don't know how they make me feel. But the reality of it is they're part of our campus, although they're from zero to one and two years old. Um, so I have to fit, be purposeful about this to ensure that I have that connection with my kids. So it's it's weird. It's going to be weird. It, it's already weird, um, you know, seeing kids and and then seeing her in my old office when I took my <laughs> sign down. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's still critiquing how I've decorated it or like yet set it up. Yeah, she has some she has some work to do. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I have my opportunities to engage with our kids. And I'm going to go on a Japan trip with the kids next year. So we've already planned that. Cool. Um, are those the types of activities that you're expecting? I mean, I guess, are you picturing being hands-on with the students or yes? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Listeners can't, hear, uh, can't see. <laughs> can't see the, facial, the face. facial expression. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, already stepping into leadership, I, I there's a a longing for the classroom and missing the classroom. So absolutely. And one of the things that Dr. Shelton had kind of already talked to me about is making sure that I leave time in my day or in it, in my week to make sure I can get out to classrooms. And that's something that I really want to do. I think some of the best learning and conversations can be coming from a shared experience. So me stepping into the classroom, watching what's going on, and having a follow-up conversation with the teacher of like, hey, what happened? What um, what were you thinking here? That was really great. Do you mind sharing that with everybody or with this group? Or um, I think that's a very powerful learning opportunity for our staff and that directly impacts the students. So I absolutely want to be out and viewable. I, I miss the student interaction on a daily basis. So it's definitely something that I still crave. Um, I'm also curious, and I know that we sort of touched on this when I asked about um, whether there were differences between the Midwest and, and Santa Monica, but I'm curious if you have an educational philosophy. I mean, if there's, um, it, you know, a, a, a unifying sort of thing that you, um, your goal is with these kids when they leave Samo High, um, what you want to impart on them. I just want them to be prepared for the world that they're moving into. I think that some of the big keys that they need to be able to do is be collaborative, be problem solvers, to be able to communicate. And I think those are the big three ideas that to be successful, you need to be able to talk to people like we're doing. Um, you need to be able to write something and communicate. This is my, my feelings and this is why you need to think about this. Um, whether you're in sales, whether you're 
having, you know, a lawyer, whatever the case, you have to be able to communicate. Um, Then problem solving, we're constantly dealing with changing. So I can't teach you just this is the way and how to do it. I really need to focus on, hey, this is how you can approach a problem. This is where you can find the information. And they need to be much more adapt at looking things up and knowing what to apply when rather than knowing, uh, memorizing a bunch of facts or memorizing a bunch of formulas. Um, So I think my overall philosophy is just helping students move from learning to actually doing, um, to be productive citizens, uh, to really help our country move to a better place. Um, Wow, that was good. That was really really good. Good job. job. I I had a decent mentor. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. So I, you know, I had wanted to ask about COVID and I, I'm sort of on the fence about it because I think we'd all like to sort of think it's in the past and, you know, you're not wearing masks in schools anymore. And, um, but I guess my one question would be, was there sort of a lesson that, that you learned from COVID, um, had, now being back on campus, does it feel different than than before? And and what, how might that still be playing out into this coming school year and future school years? I don't you know know if you have any thoughts on that. I would say one thing is we value in person's interactions so much more. Yes. I value facial expressions so much more from having all the time with just seeing eyes to then actually being able to see people smile. Um, I find myself smiling back more or trying to make a lot more open gestures of like, Hey, I see you. Like, um, I, for me, that's been the biggest thing is just valuing in person and realizing what almost a a luxury it is to be together and how powerful it is from a conversation standpoint, from honesty, from learning, how much more powerful it is to be in a room with people than to be on a screen. Absolutely. It was this. It was hard. I mean, I, I won't I won't tell anybody, you know, first going into it, every you know, everybody was like, oh, this is a temporary thing. Oh, 100 percent. I told everybody just bring home one week. So yeah. I was a teacher at the time and people were asking, oh, what should I plan for one week? Then we go on spring break. It's fine. We'll yeah. come back after that. I was wrong. And, and, and you know, riding my bike uh, to school and there's no one on campus and you're in week six. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this thing is real. And then you're figuring out what to do and how to do it on a dime. Like the adaptability of our community was pretty sweet, I must say. The crazy part is Marae and I started the school year off telling everybody we're going to start a Google Classroom. And everybody's like, a Google Classroom? You know, what do we need a Google Classroom for? And that was in 2019 prior. Yes, so I still kind of blame you. Yeah, we started off the school. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. You know, we got the Google Classroom and we were giving out computers and stuff to people. We were like, okay, do we do the ninth graders? Do we do the 12th graders? And we're figuring all of this stuff out. We got to get them done by October, but it doesn't happen till December. And everybody actually gets it by January, you know. And, and you know, we're putting computers in kids' hands not knowing that by March, school would never be the same again. And the greatest part about that is because we had initiative, the initiative enough, 
and the, I don't know the word, but the intuition to say, let's do a Google Classroom, put all of these things up. These are the commitments we're going to have to the Google Classroom. The assignments are going to be posted there, all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, we shut down. So the kids have their computers. Teachers can post. So the transition went really well. Now, coming back to school was a very, very different story. That was the most difficult thing, I think, of all, because not everybody wanted to come back to school. Not everybody could come back to school. Not everybody believed that the vaccination, when it, when it was available, was the right thing for them. You know, then you had your group that vaccination was the only way to go. And then you talk about your principal and your school officials are in the middle of this. Whereas we've never been in the middle of these really, really difficult decisions that people are having to make about their families. People are having to make about their jobs. And the school then became a hospital, a vaccination place, COVID compliance. It became everything that no principal, superintendent, assistant superintendent, attendant, executive director ever thought they would become. And, you know, you, you took on a lot of hats and this, this, the lack of sleep, the toll it took on so many leaders, you know, and I think we're still feeling the effects. People don't realize this. There were some good parts that came out of COVID and there were some really, really bad things that happened as a result of COVID. I think people found themselves and decided that they no longer wanted to be in education, which was sad for a lot of schools um, because people didn't sign up for some of the treatment that they were receiving. Um, and, you know, it's hard to tell a person that, hey, this is something you need to stick with when they've been treated so badly by other folks that somewhere along the line, they were hurt as well because you only hurt people, hurt people. And, um, you know, just seeing like we're still battling finding teachers, you know, the expensive West side, number one. So where does a teacher live? If the teacher has a family, where most definitely do they live? Um, you know, we, we lost quite a few teachers this year uh, because they're choosing to do other things and they saw COVID taught them that life doesn't have to be like it is. So they chose other careers. We have a teacher who is sailing around uh, the world, um, yeah. which is awesome. Another one is choosing to go and write a book. Um, you know, we lost what six, seven, maybe more teachers just after this last year. And in the middle of the year, we lost folks because their health, if it wasn't their health, it was they could not handle the stress of being possibly infected by COVID because the kids, you know, and who's going to wear a mask, who's not going to wear a mask. It, 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 this is still part of our world. And we're still looking like, for instance, we're still looking for a physics teacher and we're and a sped or two sped teachers right now. One. 
None. I think I got sped. We got it. But we would love a physics teacher. We would. And so if you have a physics physics teachers listening. Please apply online. Please apply online. (laughs) www.smmusd.org. Email me, please. (laughs) So those are the types of things that, you know, we're we're dealing with. This is this is our reality that we're we're having to figure out because we're here for kids. And, you know, our goal has never been I can't say my goal is to hurt kids or oh, do something oh, you no. know and and sometimes i feel like is that what people are thinking you know because we have to make decisions and we believe that the decisions we're making are in the best interest of our students you know absolutely i wouldn't stay in this profession 20 plus years with the intent of harming um students you know i actually love what i do i love being around young adults i love the energy and the respect that they have and also teaching them hey you know there are consequences to things but there are also positive results from taking risk as well before i let you guys go i just wanted to give you the opportunity if there's anything i guess a a message to people who are listening who might not you know be as familiar with secondary education what do you hope that they know when they see the teens in town? Um, you know, tell us about the kids who go to Samo High. What are they like? What's the community they're like? Do I get to start? Go ahead. I, I think the biggest thing, is, Dr. Sheldon was just talking about it as well, the energy and just talking to teenagers and seeing what they're passionate about, seeing how they're aware of each other and how they're driven to really help and and it's very empowering and it's very positive to see where we're going as a nation, as a community. Um, I think it's really energizing. They keep you young. Um, they can keep you on your toes. They will tell you how it is. Um, and I mean, to, the, to the point of mm, that haircut doesn't look so good. Um, so it's, it's great for, for keeping a, 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 a youthful glow in your life. Um, a youthful energy, I guess, is a better way to say it. Um, they're very passionate and they have a lot of talents and it's always amazing to stop and talk to some of them and hear what they're passionate about and how they're excelling in that area uh, and what their interests are. And I would say, first of all, we're a beach community. This is a beach town. And the greatest part about it, our school's located near the beach. And one of the things I don't think people understand about our school, how unique it is, that, you know, not everybody is from Santa Monica. So we have a wide variety of students coming from all parts of the city, coming to this campus, creating this diverse atmosphere because this this community believes in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it gives an opportunity for kids to come together in a space where not everybody looks alike. Not everybody thinks the same. And then when they leave here, this may have been the only place where they're going to see this level of diversity, even if they go to college. And knowing that we help to create that opportunity for them, it just makes you feel pretty awesome. And I'll always remind parents and also the adults in our community that they were once teenagers and they didn't always make the right decisions. And they did some things that were not always correct. So let's not always get mad with our kids when the reality of it is we've all been through those stages. 
and know that our kids, they actually are good people. They are good individuals. They actually care. Take some time just to talk to them and see. Don't judge what you see on the outside. Have that conversation with them. Begin to try to understand them. You know, the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, am I not? Did I not get that? So I ask them. That's where I begin to understand some of the things that we're missing. You know, when we're trying to interpret a text or something online, it's like, oh, my God, what does this mean? So I've called students and I'm, I'm like, I, I never forget. I called one student. I said, Mr. So-and-so, can I speak to your son? I need to understand this message. Understand this post. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, sure, sure, Antonio, we can do that. Um, and we sit there and we did that. We dissected what was going on. But I want people to know that Santa Monica High School is one of the best places to get an education, a free education. And I believe in our school. I believe our school will provide the foundation that our students will need to be successful in the real world. And, and that, you, you can't pay for that. You can't pay for an experience like I believe our school community can provide for your children here in this community. Thank you both so much for coming in today, um, getting to, you know, uh, talk to me a little bit about um, what it's like to be the principal at Samuel High and what the kids are like here in the community. Um, and I wish you both great luck uh, in this coming school year with these changes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Inside the Daily Press. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or listen on our website at smdp.com slash pod. Music for Inside the Daily Press is provided by The Brig Band, LA's premier jam band. To find out when and where you can hear them live, visit thebrigband.com. <laughs>